podcast. With most of the University of Alabama's approximately 38,000 students now gone because of the coronavirus response, Tuscaloosa City Hall is predicting estimated monthly losses of about $1.8 million in expected sales and, and tax revenues. Their CFO, Susan Snowden, took data models compiled in recent years by the University of Alabama researchers, which factored in revenue generated by University of Alabama visitors and University of Alabama-themed events, and juxtaposed that number against coronavirus spending loss models from New York City, which factored in an 80% loss in restaurant traffic and lodging and 20% losses in what she described as other retail. From that, from there, she and the city's finance teams generated revenue loss projections that, six months out, could amount to more than $10 million in what was expected for fiscal 2020. Coincidentally, in 2019, the Joyce Foundation produced interesting research on the prospective student outreach being done by large publics, many of whom are land-grant institutions. In the executive summary, the Joyce report said, the report analyzes off-campus recruiting visits for high, local high schools by 15 public research universities as a means of understanding university enrollment priorities. We collected data on recruiting visits by scraping data from university admissions websites like webpages advertising admissions representatives coming to a neighborhood near you and by issuing public records requests. The results showed that despite a historical mission of social mobility for meritorious state residents, public research universities increasingly enroll an affluent student body that is unrepresentative of the socioeconomic and racial diversity of the states they serve. Mainstream policy debates about the causes of access inequality focus on quote-unquote deficiencies of students and K-12 schools, things like the achievement gap and undermatching. Public universities, like the University of Alabama, position themselves as remaining committed to access despite state funding cuts and despite student deficiencies. Pointing to the adoption of access-oriented policies like need-based financial aid and outreach programs as evidence of this commitment. In turn, policy discourse assumes that doubling the number of high-achieving, underrepresented students who apply to a university will automatically double their enrollment. Therefore, these policy interventions to increase college access tend to focus on changing student behavior rather than university behavior. Today, we see it differently, and I'm pleased to take a look at the University of Alabama and other states that have historically underfunded their public universities with Scott Pattison. Here is my interview with Scott Pattison. Today, I'm so pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Scott Pattison, Senior Fellow at the Institute of Fiscal Studies and Democracy at the University of Ottawa, and the former CEO of the National Governors Association. Scott and his colleagues have been actively engaged in understanding the difficulties that state and local governments face in today's coronavirus world. Welcome back, Scott. Thanks for, being, for having me on. Sure. So today, Scott, I'd like to focus on two areas of concern to higher education and indirectly college athletics, state and local financing. And for those who need a quick primer on how state and local governments collect revenues, Scott, would you walk us through that? 
Yeah, certainly, Karen. And again, I really thank you for having me on the podcast. You do a fantastic job with these, and I always enjoy it. State and local finance right now, as you can imagine, is in an astonishing place. We're going to see some of the most significant decreases in revenue this spring that we probably ever have as a result of the COVID-19 virus and all the impacts that are being caused. Now, state and local tax revenue, of course, is a direct result of economic activity. You pay taxes when you go and buy something at the grocery store. It's also the amount of taxes that you pay on your salary. So if you have a decrease in economic activity and incomes go down or are eliminated and people are unemployed or furloughed, you're going to have a very significant decline in the state and local revenue. And so that's where we are right now. And this is absolutely critical. It's the amount of time this will go on. If state and local revenue, which is, again, seeing huge declines, precipitous declines in the spring period, if that continues for months, then you'll continue to see very significant budget cuts by state and local government. But if we start to see some recovery in the economy, you'll start to see more taxes being paid and revenue increasing, and then you'll see a stabilization of the state and local budgets. Well, as college sports fans, we always seem to think about the places we like to go every fall. So I know that you have a connection to Charlottesville, Virginia. Certainly those in Pennsylvania have connections to State College, Pennsylvania. Perhaps it's Columbus, Ohio. Perhaps it's uh, uh, Iowa City, Iowa. What Due to the sudden economic downturn, what will happen to the local college town businesses as a potential result of this, this downturn? They will indeed see some negative impacts, especially if college athletic events, particularly football, do not occur this fall. I hope they do. But if they don't, think about how much economic activity is generated by even in one weekend of a football game. You have people staying at the hotels, you have people going to restaurants, you have people walking around and perhaps going into a particular shop and purchasing something. So unfortunately, college athletic events, if they have significantly decreased attendance or they're not held at all, you're gonna see a lot of these towns and their businesses feel a significant economic effect. Now, the only caveat to that is in places where it's larger and there's a much more robust economy, assuming that economic activity is still going on. But for smaller places like State College or Charlottesville, you will see an impact if things don't get back to the normal levels by this autumn. I think it's important for folks to realize that these decisions that uh, campuses are trying to make right now, whether they're open or closed, for example, in the fall semester, has a ripple effect throughout the local and regional economies. And, and so when taxpayers invest in, in, in give money uh, to their state governments, either through payroll taxes, sales taxes, what are the traditional reasons that, that taxpayers think their money should go to? Should they be going to public institutions and supporting them to make sure that they serve the state's citizens for a higher education purpose? Well, certainly, and that's the goal. I think what's important in this particular 
instance is it's quite unprecedented and the decline in revenue is very dramatic. You're already seeing some states cut budgets of universities immediately. And so no matter how much a particular state and its taxpayers would like to do beneficial things for the universities, the amount of money is declining to such an extent. And there's so many other places that that money also needs to go, such as healthcare, uh, K through 12 education, and things like that. So it's one of those things where if you're unemployed and you want to go out to a, an expensive steakhouse for your birthday, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money, and you're just not going to do that. And I think the same is true right now for states, whether they want to be financially supportive of universities or not, they're going to do significant cuts to higher education right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what everybody's uh, realizing. Uh, and in fact, I, I just uh, told you about a Wall Street Journal article that appeared that said that already states are asking their appropriations to be cut in this fiscal year, not just in next fiscal year, but right now schools are being asked to cut up to 25% and plan to have 25% less of the state funding as of now. And that is really difficult for anyone not to be able to plan for the cuts. It's one thing to have several weeks or months, but simply being having cuts at this very moment it's really hard to manage that. And as a lot of us know, almost the entire bulk of the costs are labor costs. And so you can only do so much. You may be able to do things to decrease some utility costs or something like that. But for the most part, you have to deal with the personnel aspect. It might mean furloughs. It might mean early retirements or more dramatically actual layoffs, maybe some cuts to salaries. But because personnel costs are the bulk of what institutions spend their money on, you really are going to see some immediate impacts to the actual staff and employees. No question. We're already seeing that in furloughs and layoffs around college athletics. Uh, and certainly we expect to see more. Uh, one of the anxieties that we have for the fall is, is how many students are going to come back and how many new students are going to come. And, the earlier research study, the Joyce study that I mentioned, drew an interesting uh, parallel between state funding and out-of-state recruitment. And they said, recruiting patterns are tied to state funding. Universities with the weakest state funding, that is in Alabama and South Carolina, and their flagship universities, the University of Alabama and the University of South Carolina, heavily focused their recruiting efforts to out-of-state schools and communities. These universities made the largest number of out-of-state visits, and these visits made up the largest proportions of total recruiting visits for each university. Universities that had stronger state funding, like North Carolina, Nebraska, and schools like North Carolina State and the University of Nebraska, tended to have better coverage of in-state public high schools and or more equitable coverage of in-state public high schools. The only three universities that made more in-state visits than out-of-state visits, North Carolina State, University of California, Irvine, and University of California at Berkeley, were in states with strong non-resident enrollment caps. Therefore, university enrollment priorities are choices made by leadership rather than mere functions of environmental conditions. 
So the question becomes, are universities who are struggling with funding from their states doing the right thing by their tax-paying citizens and not recruiting in-state students, trading their efforts with spending time and money recruiting out-of-state and, and oftentimes more affluent students? What do you think about that, Scott? Well, it's a tough issue for a lot of reasons, especially right now, because a lot of the incentive for universities to go out of state is purely financial. And pretty much I think everyone understands that. The state, as they provide less resources for universities, particularly those states that have done a significant decrease in overall resources for universities, create a strong incentive for them to go out of state. Now there are some benefits. There's certainly the financial benefit that I mentioned. It's also nice for the student body to have a diversity outside the state and even have some international students sure. to have that diversity for academic and athletic purposes. And also the state has an interest in bringing people in. Hopefully people who get degrees will stay in the state. But that being said, it does create a disadvantage for a lot of residents because again, they're chasing those who are paying tuition. In many cases right now, for example, states had relied on a lot of international students, particularly from places like China. That's not gonna happen. So they're gonna see not only state budget cuts, they're gonna see declines in those who pay full tuition internationally. So in a perfect world, if we didn't have this downturn where there's a financial crisis for universities now and in the foreseeable future, you might wanna work on policies at the state that really do provide advantages and subsidies and other financial incentives for in-state students to go in-state and create less of an incentive for these universities to go out of state as they recruit. But because we're in such a financial crisis, I think that particular policy and examinations of how you deal with increasing the in-state population going to those universities, I think that policy decision will be postponed for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. You were saying to me earlier, this has uh, happened so fast that it's in your, your years of working with state government, it's almost unprecedented. It really is, especially the percentage declines that we're seeing. And normally you would see probably as much of, and this is pretty significant, a 10% decline in revenue. We saw a lot of states around there, sometimes higher, but uh, during the Great Recession, you're looking at 20 plus percent, at least the spring quarter. And that is really, really significant. It happens so fast, it's really hard to deal with. The difference here is a lot of states are better prepared to handle it, at least for the short term. They have rainy day funds and they're a little more flush with cash than they used to be because the economy has been good. However, if we go much longer with these types of declines, it's really going to be difficult for states. And there are many states who are saying, and, and even higher education advocates are saying that, they, that the higher education in general has still not recovered from the 2008 recession with, in terms of pre-recession funding. Uh, and that's got to add, add another layer to this as well. Yeah, certainly you haven't seen the same degree of the state funds and contribution to universities that you would have seen in prior decades. That percentage of the overall costs at universities has indeed gone down. 
And so you enter this very significant downturn and it, it's really a difficult situation. So let's take a little bit of a deeper dive for, for our college sports fans here and look at the University of Alabama and, and their really unusual recruiting model that they've been able to leverage at, in part because of the success of Alabama football. So if you look at Alabama, the stands are packed. Their rivalry with Auburn in the Iron Bowl is, is strong and it's always a great game. And from what the, the Joyce Report tells us, the spectacle of Alabama football is a major recruiting strategy to an attract and retain those same students. Yet they highlight Alabama as the most egregious example of this study of recruiting more wealthy out-of-state students. And they say the University of Alabama at Tuscaloosa exemplifies that transformation from being a state flagship university to an out-of-state flagship. Non-resident freshman enrollment exploded from 626 in 2002 to 1895 in 2008 to 5,000 in 2017, while resident freshmen declined over that same period of time. The period also witnessed the erosion of state appropriations, which declined from 232 million in 2007 to only 158 million in 2016-17, despite years of economic recovery since the 2008 recession. By contrast, net tuition revenue increased dramatically, driven by this non-resident enrollment growth from 105 million in 2002 to 493 million by 2016-17. How do you think governors and by extension, Alabama taxpayers consider this dynamic if they're aware of it? I think going forward, you're gonna see more of a reevaluation of trying to encourage the universities in the particular state to focus more on accessibility for their residents. I think politically and otherwise, there'll just be a strong push to do that. That being said, it's really true that there was an incentive on the University of Alabama and certainly other institutions similarly situated to do what they could to bring in as much money as they could. And a big way of doing that is to bring in non-residents who pay full tuition or most of the tuition instead of those in-state who might need uh, to be subsidized or provided financial aid for their tuition. So going forward, it's really gonna be an interesting big question. Will the football game still take place? Will fans be able to be there? Will it still have the same impact that will allow them to continue to recruit should they want to out of state students. But if there's a lot of pressure on the university to also focus on in-state, there's gonna be less money. And there really needs to be, I think, a reconsideration of structures of universities, university costs, and that's going to be a very painful exercise, but I don't think the status quo can continue. I think money will be very tight for higher ed institutions for the foreseeable future. And so they're going to really have to think, and again, make some really hard decisions, whether it's on the athletic side or otherwise, because you're just going to see less money and less availability of funds coming in. I appreciate you saying that, and, and, and to kind of bring, start to bring our conversation to a close, one thing that really strikes me is, is I've often heard people say, 
Well, athletics is only 3% of the total university budget or 4% of the total university budget, but it's so visible and the excesses can be so jarring to the rest of public life. When you have a head football coach who's making six or seven or $8 million a year, when you're um, uh, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on upgrading to make uh, plush facilities that have, you know, swanky locker rooms and high-tech uh, studios and that type of thing. And yet the rest of the university is really struggling with keeping its libraries up to date and those kinds of things. Is there, is there a, something for athletics to maybe take away from all of this that perhaps they've just gone a little bit too far and too deep in their, in their excesses and maybe they need to scale back? Well, what I think that college athletics has to think about, because we, as we've talked about during this podcast, because we are in a downturn and we're seeing uh, presumably quite a bit less funding to universities, at least for a while, at least for a year or two. And as a result, what athletics can do at the university level is think about what are the benefits they provide and really push that and demonstrate that and use data to show that, that we want to play these football games assuming that from a health data perspective, fans can come back. That's an important part of something to push. There may be programs like lacrosse or soccer where that's just been an important part of the culture of a university and it's actually attracted certain students to want to come to that university. Those are assets to be really pushed. Push the economic argument that, that there's been a benefit to the businesses, the hotels, even for some of the smaller uh, participating sports. So I would really push that. And then frankly, and this is really important, the college athletic programs during a downturn have to be very sensitive to the optics of what you mentioned, very high paid coaches. Those types of things will be very difficult to defend during a downturn. And so there's, there should be some rethinking of what are the very heavy costs for athletics and how can those be ameliorated and some of those optics dealt with because the general public won't have a lot of sympathy with so many unemployed to see what they view as excesses in the college athletic area. Scott Pattison, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us some deeper insight into the challenges that all of us face who love college sports and love higher education. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Really enjoyed being part of this. And I love college sports. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. <laughs> See you. Bye. Once again, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And I hope that you'll share some of these uh, podcasts with your colleagues around the country. I think it's important to have a dialogue around college athletics at this very critical time in higher education's uh, growth cycle. And I think there are more things that we ought to be discussing rather than just can we return to sports and can fans come to our games. These are really pivotal moments for college athletics and also for higher education, and they require deeper discussions and deeper debates. Please share. Thanks for listening.